Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. We thank you for the gift of Lent. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to recognize the battle, the battle against the flesh, against the world, and against the devil. Lord, especially today, I ask that you give us the grace of understanding fasting more fully and give us the grace to enter into it, Lord Jesus. Give us that grace to enter into Lent more fully. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, you really can't have gotten far into Lent if you've gone to Mass or gone online to listen to talks. And you're going to bump up against uh, those three, right? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. You're going to hear about them in different formats. You heard um, Sister Miriam James Hyland talk about them as all um, avenues or conduits through which the healing love of the Lord would be at work in our lives. That was sort of a fresh new way of, of digging into those disciplines. Um, I traditionally talk about them in relationship to the concept of purifying our attachments to the slavery in Egypt and forming and preparing us to enter into the promised land of good things, uh, and and really focusing in on them as prayer, as extending ourselves in our relationship with God, fasting as restraining ourselves in our relationship to ourselves, and almsgiving as extending ourselves in love towards our neighbor. And all of these things are caught up within that same matrix of the journey with Christ into the desert, pushed by the Spirit, that individual desert that is ours. We have our own journey into Lent. We all share Lent. We all have this one chance to live this Lent. We all are embracing these um, forms of, of asceticism and mortification, spiritual training and dying to self, right? We're all doing that in order to experience a springtime, a time of renewal, a time of we slow down, we step back, we strip away, we simplify in order to uh, prune. We prune away those things so as to bloom more fully, right? That's the season we're in. We prune so as to bloom. Okay, there's our quick summary, our riassunto, our, our summary of this Lenten journey today. Uh, I just felt this sense of it would be super helpful to talk about fasting. And I want to say it because this Lent has been a really interesting one. I've already mentioned the theme of humility. And my sense is, is that today I'm supposed to humble myself by sharing how I've failed in the fasting portion of my Lent. And I've got great excuses. I mean, really, you're going to hear some amazing excuses for why my failure to live out my Lenten resolutions regarding fasting, regarding restraining myself, that I've given myself permission to ignore them. And not all of them, but to ignore them. And amazingly, um, even in the face of not ignoring them, just flaunting a disobedient spirit towards them. Man, that's painful to say. In other words, oh, I know I'm not supposed to do this. No, I know I've given this up. No, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it as I take out the bag of popcorn and I'm going to start eating it. And I know that my kids are not eating it. We all have agreed not to eat it. We're not going to get any. I've said to my uh, fifth grade daughter, no, you don't get any, even though I secretly know the night before I was sneaking some. (laughs) and that night I was going to probably sneak some more and even as I did it I'm thinking to myself what am I doing why am I doing this this is something that is I'm not leading the way I'm not like clearing the path through my um, even secret holy example the Lord uses that what is done in secret to clear a path and provide protection and blessing over those who follow Um, and did you hear that I mean that's like my failure to live out my Lenten obligation or my Lenten resolution and my family Lenten resolution regarding fasting impacts them. And, and I don't, I, I think I'm just saying it out loud. I don't know, maybe because I don't realize it in the moment, um, but it points to the battle against the flesh. Um, when I talked about excuses, I think my excuses would be I'm spending so much time in almsgiving and pouring my life out for others these days that I get a pass. 
<laughs> I'm so tired. And and I think part of it is being poured out, giving of oneself. It, it leaves me empty and not unfulfilled, but but there's an empty, there's an emptying out that comes with loving. But when you give time and attention and care and you pour yourself out in loving ways for others, then you are emptied. And that self-emptying is what uh, St. Paul uh, talked about in his early Christian hymn in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, that though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. And it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. And because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, so that every tongue proclaim and every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so that beautiful hymn, and the only reason I know that is that's a hymn in the Liturgy of the Hours in Evening Prayer, and it's something I prayed for years, so um, not flexing anything there. It's just a, a memorization, but it's a meaningful one because of the concept of kenosis, that Greek word that means to empty that Jesus emptied himself and took the form of a slave. He did not grasp his divinity. He did not hold on to it, his heavenly status, as something to be grasped at. And isn't that the battle? Isn't that the battle? And I remember first being taught about this in a, a scripture course, that the word for grasp had um, a couple of connotations for the Greeks, that that word was the word used for a, a Midas, a, a, the miser who grasped his gold. He clung onto it and would refuse to let it go. And, and, and you know that the curse that it ended up ending his life because he you know, couldn't eat, etc. Um, and then the other one was the harpies, the harpies who would, um, who would uh, capture a, a prey and they would tear some meat, and the harpy would grasp onto the meat. So there's this sense of a voracious hunger, a sense of possession, a sense of, I'm going to consume this. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You have uh, two connotations for grasping that at least have allusions to eating. <laughs> and, uh, and instead of that, there's a sense of emptying. And it's like, so I don't know about you, but when you launched into this Lenten season, um, like how thoughtful were you about what you were going to give up, especially around food, right? So what form would fasting take in your life? Again, fasting is about restraining ourselves. It's about saying no to self especially saying no to those things that maybe we find particularly delightful, uh, uh, particularly uh, enjoyable, that we are going to restrain ourselves in those things, and, and we'll eat things that are healthy for us, that, and that's what we committed to. So we got rid of snacks between meals, we got rid of junk food, we got rid of chocolate, candies, um, all of that sort of stuff, and instead... We replaced them with healthy snacks, healthier foods. And this has meant, um, on, on Kerry's part, a, a lot more intentionality around shopping and around setting our kids up for success, whether that is helping them have a good breakfast where they're going to have the nourishment they need and, and not feel that little urge to snack, giving them healthy snacks that they can crunch on and munch on and enjoy at lunchtime so they are not tempted to, uh, to share in the food offered by friends who are maybe not following a Lenten observance of self-denial and um, sacrificing things that, that are enjoyable. So they're forms of fasting. And then um, when they come home, having a um, sort of a plate of vegetables there, again, something that's a healthy snack for them. Um, what a beautiful thing. And and to hear my kids tell these inspiring stories of the things they've done and to know that the little sacrifices that I have agreed to 
that I have agreed to, that I, I said, you know what, I can do this. I can give up this during Lent. So one of them was, um, so coffee, just simply drinking it without any sugar or without any cream. You know, we've got this like foamer, this like milk foamer thing. I don't know how long they've been around, but they've only entered our lives in the last year and they're amazing. <laughs> but I'm like, I have not had milk and sugar in my coffee or tea in years. And, and in the last year, it, it's snuck back in. I'm like, I don't need it. I just don't need it. I, I enjoy it. All of a sudden, I, I've come to like pick up a, a, a little taste for it. And it's like, you know what? Just give it up. Just give it up. Like Let's just go back to something that is not a really rigorous thing, right? This is not like heroic sacrifice in fasting. And, um, and boy, it's, it's, what's the embarrassing thing to say? Well, there's a couple of embarrassing points. The first is that I think twice in Lent, I've had coffee with, um, with cream and sugar in it. And I didn't have to. I just didn't have to, but I wanted to. And even as I was like putting milk in that like frothing machine and adding sugar in it, I'm, I'm in my mind. It's not like I forgot. But it's in my mind, it was the battle. Here's the battle. This disordered passions where I'm like, I I know I agreed not to do this. I know my kids are making sacrifices. I know I should be leading the way and doing more. Isn't that the call? The call of a leader is to do more than those under their care, to extend themselves even further because it helps create momentum in the kids' lives or in those who are following to be able to even do a smaller sacrifice. That's just the basic rule. If you want those following you to take three steps forward, you better be taking five steps forward. And you'll be creating that that draft. You'll be creating that momentum, that space to draw them into steps forward in their own lives. I was taught that 30 years ago. I found it to be so true. So I have to be doing more easily. I mean, I'm older. Hopefully I'm more mature in my faith. I should have more habits, especially habits of self-sacrifice and realizing the value of them as compared to my kids. And it's it's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing that even that little thing I was not able to do. And then on top of that, the same thing with tea. And somehow in my mind, I've kind of rationalized and said, well, I was really referring to coffee. I really don't drink tea that much. And so, you know what? It's okay in my tea to have the the milk and the sugar, even though I know very well in my mind, in my heart, no, that was part of the Lenten sacrifice. That was a thing that uh, my intention was to give that up as well. And I'm sitting here looking at not one cup, but two cups of tea that I can't really see the tea because of the frothed milk. But if I were able to drink the tea, as I'm drinking the tea, even during the program, I'm tasting the sugar that is in there. And it's like, how does that happen? That is just embarrassing. So not the end of the world, but what does it point out? It points out the battle that exists in our lives with the flesh, with that fallen dimension of our lives where it's okay. Here, here's how I want to say it. It's really not about the tea. You know, as much as I'm bringing that up, it's about the will. It's about the weakened will. It's about the disobedient will. It's about the will that is following after the desires that are the appetites of the flesh that says, no, I resist. No, I don't want to give up what is pleasant and easy. I don't want to do what is difficult, right? That's, that's, that's the heart of the matter. Well, much more profoundly than I'm sharing it with you in a, in a very human story right now is a very, very beautiful teaching from Pope Uh, Benedict, now Pope Emeritus Benedict, back in 2009, one of the things that popes do each year is they release a papal message for various occasions. And one of those occasions is the season of Lent. And so in 2009, Pope Benedict made as his central focus the theme of fasting. And I recommend that you look it up. It's free online um, at vatican.va, the Vatican's website. If you just type in Pope Benedict message for Lent 2009, you'll get it as a link. And it's very profound. So I'm going to break open some of these beautiful insights 
and you know draw lines back to our lives, to my life, to your lives, and um, hopefully you find some some nourishment for your um, for your Lenten journey and some nourishment, frankly, to fight the good fight in fasting. Um, I and so I, like I said, I'm doing this um, for myself as much as I'm doing it for you. Let's live Lent well, and let's let Pope Benedict help us in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Hope and pray that you're having a blessed day. If you're enjoying these programs, um, simple favor. If you are comfortable going online, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. You can leave me a message. What do you think of the programming? What do you like? What would you like to see more of? Um, where could we improve? Always want to learn and, and listen and hear from you. Mycatholicfaith.org. You can just contact Tom Curran. There's a simple click a button. You can leave your email address, leave your message. It'll get sent to me, and then I can respond to you. And and I make an effort to respond to everybody. I don't always do it in as timely a fashion as I want, a little confession, but I do get back to folks eventually. So uh, love to hear from you uh, about your Lenten journey, anything you'd like to share with me about Sound Insight. Always wanted to, to get better, to be a blessing to you. Also, there's free resources there, free resources to be a blessing to you in your life of faith. Hey, coming up, if you are in the... Uh, Spokane area. If you're in, uh, you know, northern Idaho in eastern Washington, I am going to be speaking on uh, on Saturday, March 19th. That is the feast of Saint Joseph on Saint Joseph at Saint Joseph's. Saint Joseph's in Otis Orchards, uh, Otis Orchards, Washington. Otis Orchard is uh, just uh, just over the border, just over the border in. Um, in, in Washington from Idaho. So it's at the very far eastern end of Washington. And I'd love to have you there. It starts with mass at nine o'clock. It ends at 12 and then there's lunch. Um, and so it's a great event. It's free. Love to have you come. Uh, I'm going to share some, hopefully, really uh, some in, encouraging teaching, inspiring teaching on St. Joseph. What can we learn from Joseph? What can we learn from this great saint um, about, <coughs> excuse me, about our own lives of faith. I'd love to be able to see you, visit with you, uh, spend some time together on a Saturday in Lent, growing in faith together. So mark your calendars, Saturday, March 19th, beginning at 9 a.m. with Mass, ends at 12 noon, and then there's lunch, a great way to spend a Saturday morning in Lent. I'll be talking about St. Joseph, uh, a model of faith, of manhood and of discipleship. So, so much for us to be able to dive into today. So, my hope and prayer is that you will uh, come and be with me at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Otis Orchard. Okay, um, back to the program talking today about fasting, prayer fasting and almsgiving, and, and for whatever mysterious reason, uh, my life of prayer is going pretty well. My uh, almsgiving, surprisingly, is is really somehow where the Lord is putting the focus in my life this Lent. But the almsgiving, part, the the fasting part is just a, it's a train wreck. <laughs> it's been terrible, and I'm like, okay, I need some encouragement. I need some good teaching. It's amazing how the truth can set you free, how teaching can bring insight that we can then find a sense of application to our lives of faith. So I'm like, you know what? Lots of sources I could go to, but one that I have used over the course of a number of Lents on Sound Insight and found it to be wonderfully helpful for folks who have listened to it is this beautiful teaching, this message of His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI for Lent in 2009. It says in Matthew 4, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Dear brothers and sisters, at the beginning of Lent, which constitutes an itinerary of more intense spiritual training, that's what it is, an itinerary, a journey, it's a, a journey that has a specific agenda to it. And hopefully that's what we're experiencing, more intense spiritual training. That word spiritual training, that phrase spiritual training, is referring to asceticism. We'll get around to that. 
Uh, Pope Benedict continues, the liturgy sets before us again three penitential practices that are very dear to the biblical and Christian tradition, prayer, fast, prayer, almsgiving, fasting, to prepare us to better celebrate Easter and thus experience God's power that, as we shall hear in the Paschal Vigil, dispels all evil, washes guilt away, restores lost innocence, brings mourners joy, casts out hatred, brings us peace, and humbles earthly pride. Whoa. Did you hear that? That's what God's power does. Have we experienced God's power like that? If you could just pick that apart, right, and just take a look. Just just reflect on that. The, the, beauty, the beauty of the teaching of Pope Benedict is that he he chooses his phrases very carefully in his quotes. He's quoting here rich teaching that he wants us to recognize and to stop and to say, have you experienced God's power in your life to dispel all evil? Is there evil that's clinging to your life? Is there evil that you just say, why is this part of my life? No, God's power can dispel all evil. And, and that is part of what we should hope for, look for, have confidence in as we undertake a more intense spiritual training in the season of Lent, in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, to dispel all evil. How about to wash guilt away? Do you ever feel guilty? Guilty because of sinful thoughts, words, deeds, and omissions? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the power of God intends to wash guilt away and to restore lost innocence you know, when, when we have that sense of freshness, there's a sense of being fresh when, you, when you're clean and washing away guilt and this idea of being restored in that place of, of being innocent where we've lost it, 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 that's priceless. What a priceless gift. And that's what God's power, that's what God in his power wants to do in your life. And if you're mourning, he wants to bring you joy. If there's hatred in your life, he wants to cast it out. If there's hatred in your home, in relationships, in your family members, the Lord intends in his power to cast it out. <clears throat> Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving can dislodge, can weaken the, the foothold, the stronghold that forms of hatred that, that are part of our lives, uh, they have. It's like digging them up. It's uprooting them. It also brings us peace. It brings us peace. Peace is when a life is in order. And God's power puts our, our lives in order. And then we know peace, that sense of the flowing of God's light and love in, into our lives and among us and through us and back to God. And it humbles earthly pride, right? Um, and so earthly pride. What's earthly pride? You know, I talked about this uh, yesterday. Just this idea that we think that we can achieve all of these things at a human level, human goods, and, and they can exalt us if we've achieved a measure of success, a measure of, of notice and attention and, and a sense of um, affirmation for all these human goods. But if they don't lead us to glorify God as stewards of his gifts and using them for his glory, well, then it leads us to a dead end, to pride. And the Lord wants to humble us. So when you begin to pray fast and do alms, guess what happens? You get humbled. You get humbled. Okay, continuing on. For this year's Lenten message, I wish, the Pope says, to focus my reflections especially on the value and meaning of fasting. Indeed, Lent recalls the 40 days of our Lord's fasting in the desert, which he undertook before entering into his public ministry. There it is. Remember now, Lent, or the journey in the desert, separates the baptism, where the Holy Spirit comes, and his public proclamation in the temple at Capernaum at the temple, in the synagogue at Capernaum, his public ministry. And so sitting between the descent of the Holy Spirit and public ministry is a time in the desert. And Jesus shows us the way, he leads the way, and he asks us to follow him in that way. So um, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It says, oh yeah, we read in the gospel, Jesus was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. Whoa, there's so much there. Not going to go into all of it. Fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards. He was hungry like Moses, who fasted before receiving the tablets of the law. And Elijah's fast before meeting the Lord on Mount Horeb. Jesus, too, through prayer and fasting, prepared himself for the mission that lay before him, marked at the start by a serious battle with the tempter. 
So showing how what Jesus did is something that is not unique in the scriptures. Moses and Elijah also fasted before they manifested a particular and, and powerful um, a form or aspect of their mission. Moses bringing the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, and Elijah before the encounter with the Lord on Mount Horeb, that where he encounters the Lord in the still small voice. Prayer and fasting prepare Jesus, and guess what? Going to prepare us for the mission that lays before us, which may also be marked at the start and along the way by a serious battle with the tempter, because he's talking about the three temptations of Jesus in the desert. Well, we might wonder, the Pope says, what value and meaning there is for us Christians in depriving ourselves of something that in itself is good and useful for our bodily sustenance. It's a great question. Do we just hate our bodies? Like, What's that all about? Why is that a thing? Well, the sacred scriptures and the entire Christian tradition teach that fasting is a great help to avoid sin and all that leads to it. Okay, hear that really, really clear. Fasting is a great help to avoid sin and all that leads to it. So if we took that seriously and just just pondered that for a minute, how many of you are struggling with a sin and you say there's a kind of inevitability, a kind of unavoidability to this or that sin that is in my life. So it might be losing your temper. It might mean thinking lustful thoughts. It might mean being lazy. It might mean being selfish. It might mean um, uh, lacking in courage, being sort of a coward when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. It might mean uh, being lax when it comes to our prayer or spir- other spiritual practices. Right? There are so many ways that we... Uh, just wander or, again. Go any of the seven deadly sins. Right? It could be envy, right? You're just envious and you're sad about all the good things that are happening in other people's lives, or you're jealous of what they have and you don't have. So, whatever the deadly sin, whatever these sins are, and that we, we just feel like, no matter how hard I try, I can't avoid them. Have you tried fasting? Have you tried fasting? Because fasting is a great help to avoid sin, and and all that leads to it. So fasting is a hedge of protection. Right? You might feel like when I get into these situations and these circumstances, I just stumble again. Well, guess what? Fasting can give you a protection, can give you the motivation, it can give you the insight, the awareness that says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If I keep doing this, I'm going to end up in that bad place. I'm going to end up falling back into that sin that I know I'm so weak. You know what I need to do? I need to build a hedge of defense around that part in my life because otherwise I'm just going to fall again. I'm just going to fall into sin. So let me like build some protection quite a distance away from that. Okay, did you... If you can follow what is say, uh, what's being said then, uh, it's this idea that um, Augustine put forward, which was, if we refuse to abstain from licit goods, we will not abstain from illicit goods. If we do not abstain from licit goods, that's goods that are useful for our bodily substance, right? That's what fasting does. We're depriving ourselves of a good that is licit. It's lawful, right? It's in accord with God's law. Why do we deprive ourselves of that? Well, if we don't deprive ourselves of those good things, then we will not deprive ourselves of things that are illicit, that are sinful, that are settling for less and falling short. It's a very important point for us to know. Because the temptation, and I know I fell into this so much when I was younger, and I think I still fall into it today in certain sins, is that like, okay, where's the line? Where's the line that says you can, you know, you cross that line and you've sinned, but if you haven't crossed that line, you can kind of skate really close to it. Augustine says, uh-uh, don't fool yourself. 
do not fool yourself, right? So that's why in um, certain acts of contrition, there is a spiritual um, resolution to avoid the near occasion of sin. It's not just avoiding sin, but it's avoiding the near occasion of sin. And when you, uh, if you have a, like a work, like read sort of traditional spiritual manuals or other like great works of spirituality that are offering practical counsels, it's like be very aware of, of um, your friends because your friends could be uh, creating the conditions that just like uh, make it a downhill slide right into those areas where you're vulnerable to fall into sin. You have that weakened will. You've got that disordered passion. You've got that clouded intellect. And you've got that urge towards that sin. And and all of a sudden, you know, hanging around with these folks, hanging around in that circumstance, hanging around at that time, like, okay, when I know I'm really tired and uh, my defenses will be down because I don't have that focus and attention, I'm just setting myself up for failure. So fasting is about denying ourselves licit goods, right? Goods that, that are meant to sustain like our bodies um, in order to provide a protection against sin, powerful protection, and, and all that leads to it. So um, I, I just, I love that beautiful insight from Pope Benedict. Okay, we're up against a break. Um, when we come back, I'm going to continue um, digging into the insights that come from this wonderful document, The Papal Message of Pope Benedict in 2009. Back in a minute with more sound insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is great to be with you. You know, one of the things that happens when people go to mycatholicfaith.org and they contact me is that they've heard that now I am a real estate agent. Yes, indeed I am. I am serving folks in Washington and in Idaho. Yes, I've got a license in the state of Washington and a license in the state of Idaho. So um, a number of folks who listen to the program have um, like recommended me to like friends of theirs or listeners of Sound Insight. I'd love to hear from you. And, and for me, it's like the idea of helping you is so much more than just saying, okay, let's help you find a house. No, it's helping you find a life, especially if you're moving here in, in circumstances that weren't ideal, like it wasn't planned. And all of a sudden there's this uprooting and there's this shifting and there's this sense of we need to to this place, whether it was over here or in Idaho. And it's like, I get that. I know that journey. I know how overwhelming it can feel. I know that sense of being paralyzed that's involved. And I can, um, I love to pray and to like walk with folks. I just use Zoom to do it. And we have these beautiful like times where I'm able to map out for them a sense of here's a picture of the, like the geography. Here's a picture of some of the key like communities in the area where, where lots of folks are moving, where lots of renewal is happening, where beautiful uh, parishes exist, uh, uh, educational options, whether it is homeschooling, co-op, whether it's like St. Charles and Chesterton, the classical models of Catholic education or whether it's the Oaks where, where uh, my kids are going right now um, or other options that are, that are growing and, and just um, emerging, beautiful co-ops in Spokane Valley and in, uh, in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Um, amazing stuff happening. I love to be able to get families connected with other families that have kids around their same age. So if I can be of service to you, if I can help you and your family get here, I would love to do that. And so you can just reach out to me, going to mycatholicfaith.org. Um, please just contact me and say, Tom, love to be able to get connected with you to help us discern a move. And if I can also concretely help you by being an agent, a real estate agent for you in uh, Idaho, northern Idaho, or here in eastern Washington, and, and frankly in western Washington, I'm helping several folks um, actually move on that side. And I'm also, I, I talked about building out a network of beautiful Catholic agents that I trust um, and uh, just or deeply uh, deep people of faith that I trust that are also very skilled as agents. Um, I love that. Uh, I love to be able to have um, people that are trusting me to be able to work with folks that will serve them well because it's a, it's a really, really kind of crazy time in the, um, in the real estate industry in terms of like the prices that houses are selling for and people trying to buy houses. It's, it is really, it's, it's, um, 
it feels like it's the middle of the summer and it's only early March. Okay. So talking today about, so mycatholicfaith.org. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can click on the contact Dr. Tom and just let me know. Hey, Tom, give me a call. Be in touch with you uh, about helping you in that matter. Okay. So uh, today talking about fasting, prayer fasting and almsgiving. Fasting, I'm shaking my head. I am, uh, it's the one I need to grow in. It's the one that the, the Lord is saying, Tom, you made some resolutions. I will give you the strength to do it. So let's continue on. Um, interestingly, uh, Pope Benedict quotes St. Basil when he says that fasting was ordained in paradise. Do you ever think about that? In the Garden of Eden, there was fasting. The first commandment in this sense was delivered to Adam. St. Basil says, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was fasting involved. It was a tree that was pleasant. You could eat of every tree in the garden, but not that tree. Even though it was pleasant to look at, it had this sent this alluring attraction to it, but there was a level of fasting. And um, the Pope ends up saying that uh, people fast so that we might humble ourselves before God, right? So we're not Lord. The Lord is God. And if the Lord says, I've created this tree with this beautiful fruit on it, but it's not for you to eat. It's not for you to eat. Humble yourself. Let God be God. Uh, and, and then if you went to Mass today, you'd hear the story of Nineveh, and that'll continue on. Uh, in the same way, the Pope says, the people of Nineveh, responding to Jonah's call to repentance, proclaimed a fast as a sign of their sincerity, saying, who knows, God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we perish not. In this instance, too, God saw their works and spared them. So we see this idea that fasting is, is a wonderful sign of saying, Lord, Lord, I'm sincere. I truly desire to conquer sin, to conquer the flesh alive in me, to honor you, to humble myself, to honor you as Lord. Right? All these beautiful uh, meanings that come from fasting. However, the Pope doesn't stop there. He says in the New Testament, Jesus brings to light the profound motive for fasting, condemning the attitude of the Pharisees who scrupulously observed the prescriptions of the law, but whose hearts were far from God. You remember that? So just the act of fasting all by itself doesn't guarantee that it's going to be done with the right attitude. If you're going to fast externally, make sure that it's done internally in accord with the heart, right? So that was Matthew chapter 6. You heard Jesus when you're fasting, don't go, you know, um, don't, don't go around glum, right? And don't dress in a way that makes you draw attention to the fact that you're fasting. <laughs> um, true fasting, as the divine master repeats elsewhere, that's Jesus, is rather to do the will of the heavenly father who sees in secret and will reward you. So he's linking there the idea of fasting and prayer, where he's saying, look, when you, you, you in fasting, you are orienting that very action, not towards your body, not towards some action in the world, but towards your relationship with the Lord, that you truly desire to do his will. And if fasting is getting, if there are things in the way, fasting can help remove those obstacles to doing the will of the Father. Uh, Jesus sets him the example, answering Satan at the end of the 40 days spent in the desert, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The true fast is directed to eating the true food, which is to do the Father's will. And so do you think about that? Like, it's actually very nourishing to honor God by how we live. And don't you know that? Like, I know you know that. What I mean by saying know it, I mean experience it. When we choose purity over lust, when we choose modesty over um, uh, overexposure, when we choose self-denial over um, uh, just the, the self-satisfaction, it, doesn't it feel life-giving? I'm not saying it doesn't feel hard, but doesn't it feel life-giving? And the answer is, yes, it does. It, 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 like the idea of what's, what's the value of a clean conscience? 
What's the value of being able to say, I have honored you, Lord. It's, it is a priceless treasure. So uh, the Pope ends up saying, the believer, though through fasting, intends to submit himself humbly to God, trusting in his goodness and mercy. So fasting and connecting with uh, the Old Testament and referencing Jesus connects it to his mercy. Now let's continue on. The practice of fasting is very present in the first Christian community, and he quotes a number of New Testament texts. The church fathers, too, speak of the force of fasting to bridle sin, especially the lusts of the old Adam, and to open in the heart of the believer a path to God. Moreover, fasting is a practice that is encountered frequently and recommended by the saints of every age, which, by the way, we should probably pay attention to. You know, how many how many saints have ever said, you know, fasting's overrated? <laughs> you ever think about what's not said about fasting by the saints? It's funny, when I think about it, how many saints do I know that did not have uh, a sense of, um, I want to say the word devotion, but they're not devoted to fasting, but their devotion to God was manifested through a willingness to fast through a willingness to do penance, through a desire, even like a a sense of enthusiastic seeking for opportunities to deny self, humble oneself, to to go without. Um, Saints of every age. It's something that just jumps off the page um, when you think about what are some common threads in the lives of the saints. You know, one of the common ones that I've heard said is, you know, name a saint that didn't have a tender love and devotion to the Blessed Mother. And you're hard-pressed to find saints that if you have like a lot of uh, insight into their lives and in their teaching, that there isn't this sense of a tender devotion to the Blessed Mother. Fasting, let's put right near there as something that is so very common And that's worth thinking about because we are not an age. You and I have not lived in a time that has promoted fasting in church settings. In fact, you probably will find more rigorous presentations of what fasting is in some secular settings as a practice of like cleansing and that kind of thing. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, more from Pope Benedict on the gift of fasting. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is great to be with you. Today I am reflecting on fasting because I have failed miserably at it this particular Lent and I am wanting to bolster the resources that I'm leaning on to to do a better job. I don't want to settle for where I'm at a week in. I want to do better. Uh, Not just that I want to do better. I'm committing myself to do better to conform my life to this. And it's humbling to acknowledge that I haven't. Well, you know, guys, just be careful about making that prayer to your guardian angel to humble you every day. (laughs) It's going to be a great Lent. Okay. Um, St. Peter Chrysologus writes, this is again from Pope Benedict's um, uh, Lenten message from 2009. He said, fasting is the soul of prayer. Mercy is the lifeblood of fasting. So if you pray, fast. If you fast, show mercy. If you want your petition to be heard, hear the petition of others. If you do not close your ear to others, you open God's ear to yourself. What did he just do there? Well, he just tied together the three disciplines of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. If you pray fast, if you fast, show mercy. He's talking about almsgiving, extending yourself in loving ways towards your neighbor. If you want your petition to be heard, hear the petition of others. There's that almsgiving again. Don't close your ear to others. You open God's ear to yourself. So this, uh, the first line I find the most striking, though, fasting is the soul of prayer. The soul of prayer. So that, that's sort of the hidden spirit the hidden power, the hidden form. 
Um, and so we live in a time that has focused so much on prayer and prayer techniques, and we are just so slow to read and get lots of recommendations around or focus and attention on the importance of fasting and penance. I do believe, honestly, that in the last few years, there has been a shift, there has been a change, there has been a sense of recovering some of the uh, traditional insights around the importance of, of fasting and penance, and thanks be to God for it. Um, it's something that I have, like I've known about and have lived in some ways, but I have definitely in the past 10 years um, come to appreciate sort of like um unfortunately it's sort of like a roller coaster ride sort of kind of going up and down or like a sine wave right so there are there are times when i feel graced and and take more dedicated action towards uh, ascetical practices fasting self-denial penance and then times where it's just faded away from my awareness and i just get immersed in the things of of the busy life and um, that stuff sort of loses um, some of my time and attention. And in fact, that's something to bring up. So to, again, know yourself. Um, I know myself such that if I am attempting to do a number of like additional intense spiritual practices, intense spiritual training, the way Pope Benedict just talked about it in Lent, I have to be careful not because I'll try to take on like too many things all by itself, but because I know how much time and focus and attention I have to give to fight the battle against the flesh when it comes to uh, fasting and other forms of self-denial. It is, uh, there, there's sort of a, like a psychologically draining thing for me so that if I'm going to fast well, it's hard to do a lot of other things in my life. And I think that, that that's, that's my current excuse. Um, that's what I'm currently saying is that because my life in this past week has been so much pouring out to others, um, just so very, I, I, I don't like to use the word busy because that just sounds like uh, it's, um, it's just an excuse, but it's also like, it's not a brag. It's, it, it should be the opposite. It should be something that says, well, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. If you're too busy to be able to live your Lenten obligations, then you need to rethink how you're living your life. What is your lifestyle, right? But know thyself, know thyself. And if I said, what's one of the root causes of my failure at the penances and in particular the fasting that I've chosen, it's that I've been um, so poured out that I am dispersed. That's the the term in, that you'll find in, in the spiritual manuals is I'm dispersed, that I just don't have the concentrated focus to say, yes, I've got the energy, I've got the will, I've got the determination, I'm going to do this. But when it comes face to face with those things, I just sort of collapse like a house of cards because of the, uh, I, the you don't have an unlimited energy in your will. You just don't. You don't have an unlimited energy in your will to do every good thing. And um, I think I think that's what's happening. I don't know. I just I wasn't, wasn't planning on sharing a lot of that today on the program. But um, you know what? I think there's someone who needed to hear it. Maybe maybe many people needed to hear it. So pay attention to like what it takes. Maybe for you it's prayer, right? Extending yourself in prayer, getting up early and, and taking some quiet time in prayer that that would be a hard thing to do. Maybe it's giving up time on your smartphone. Maybe it's giving up time on Netflix or you know watching videos or whatever other like media you're consuming. And that's really hard. And in order to do it well, you have to devote time and focused attention to say, I'm going to say no to this and I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to say no to this and yes to fasting from this. And, um, and realize that <clears throat> if you are not giving sufficient, um, like let's call it that focus, that spiritual, psychological, human focus, that you're just not going to be able to do it. So um, just 
want to kind of bring that out into the open. Just want to bring that into the open. Not even sure exactly why. But let's come back around to Pope Francis. Pope Francis, sorry. Pope Francis did write a, a Lenten message. You can look it up as well. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't studied it as a part of, again, this idea of just, just I don't have a lot of discretionary time and I'm reading other things right now in my um, spiritual life, um, including the book False Mercy. Um, you've heard me interview Dr. Christopher Malloy um, about that book and mentioned it in a second interview I had with him about movements um, and how the Holy Spirit raises up movements in uh, every age to help bring renewal to the church and is doing so in our age. I I see that. We had a great conversation about it. You can get that if you go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can go to Apple Podcasts, look up the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. And if you subscribe to it, you'll get those downloaded right to your Apple device. So, um, so, uh, so reading lots of other things, so just haven't gotten around to that message. Okay, let's let's continue on with Pope Benedict. In our own day, fasting seems to have lost something of its spiritual meaning and has taken on in a culture characterized by the search for material well-being a therapeutic value for the care of one's body. Now, fasting certainly brings benefits to physical well-being, but for believers, it is, in the first place, a quote-unquote therapy to heal all that prevents them from conformity to the will of God. There. Um, he just he mentions the point that I brought up earlier. Ta-da. In the Apostolic Constitution, Penitamini of 1966, St. Uh, uh, Paul VI uh, saw the need to present fasting within the call of every Christian to no longer live for himself, but for him who loves him and gave himself for him. He will also have uh, to live for his brethren. And so he says that basically uh, fasting is thus to assist us to mortify our egoism and open our heart to love of God and of neighbor. So you see again there how fasting sort of straddles both prayer and almsgiving, that when you fast and restrain yourself, you will, you will find yourself aided, supported, in your attempts to um, uh, extend yourself more fully to God in prayer and to extend yourself more lovingly towards your neighbor. The faithful practice of fasting contributes, moreover, to conferring unity to the whole person, body and soul, helping to avoid sin and grow in the intimacy with the Lord. That's very powerful. Let me say that one more time. It's the last point I'll have a chance to talk about today. The faithful practice of fasting, the faithful practice of fasting, it can become a habit, not just something that's done and not eating meat on Fridays and Lent and fasting uh, by having just one full meal, two partial meals on uh, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. No, 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 no. There's so much more to fasting than this. And so I, I tried to bring out some of the elements of how you can deny yourself daily, restraining yourself daily, that these are forms of fasting. And uh, and in doing so, there are so many incredible benefits that it contributes to Pope Benedict says, the conferring unity to the whole person, body, and soul. There's a sense of integration that comes by denying the body. Wait a minute. By denying the body, there's a better integration of the body and the soul. Well, why would that be? Well, because when we give in to the desires of the body regularly, consistently, without really thinking about it, we're going to find that we're disintegrated. We're more uh, at, a, at a battle with ourselves rather than unified. And if we're willing to fast, we're going to not only avoid sin, but we'll grow in that sense of intimacy with the Lord. So very powerful. That's uh, Pope Benedict XVI in his uh, 2009 message on fasting in Lent. So much more to say. Do not have time to, to share it with you now. Tomorrow on Sound Insight, it's a uh, faith and family uh, program. And Carrie and I have part two of our podcast that we did with Devin and Allison O'Donnell on leading and providing and protecting our kids in the digital age. Such an important topic. So please tune in for that tomorrow. That makes up about half of the program. And then Carrie and I will talk for the rest. God bless your day.